1: It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, our mission to serve and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. In today's episode, I know a lot of us are making travel plans. There's some news on saving money on your lodging I want to share. And later, speaking of travel, are you taking your vacation time? Do you know it may be vital to your health and your well-being? So speaking of travel... Airbnb is begging for additional hosts. They've got so many people coming trying to book properties right now that they see money on the table that they're not getting because they just flat out don't have enough listings. To give you an idea how severe it's been, the average cost of an Airbnb stay is up 35% in the last year, 35%. The average rate per night for an Airbnb, according to the Financial Times, is now $160. Uh, Let's dial back in time. Airbnb used to be all about saving money versus staying in a hotel, I mean, that's what created its initial initial popularity. And this is something that has been absolutely turned on its head because there's been a change in the nature of use of Airbnb and VRBO properties. So get this, one out of four stays in an Airbnb or a month or longer now, no longer three nights away or whatever, because of the people who work in office jobs who have been able to work remotely, they've decided, hey, I can go work anywhere. I'm going to go work who knows where. And they'll rent places on a multi-month rental, or at least a month at a time. And so it's led to this severe shortage of properties available for the normal airbnb cycles of 3 days to a week and it's run these prices up to an average and remember that's just an average of 160 a night so this is what's bizarre remember the initial market thrust for airbnb was it gave you an effectively lower price per night than a hotel. Now, unless you're putting a bunch of people under one roof, the greatest flip ever, hotels usually are going to be cheaper than an equivalent Airbnb. Not everywhere, but most of the time. So if you've been looking for a place to stay, And historically, you went the Airbnb or VRBO route. Today, it may have all turned upside down. I mean, it's crazy. In metro areas that have a lot of business travel or conventions, the rates for hotels, although they've gone up as occupancies have risen, they're still great. I was looking at hotel rates recently in a a major hotel market in Southern California, and I was able to find a really top-drawer hotel for $81 a night. Couldn't have done that before the pandemic. So the strategies that worked in the past, you always would travel. You always have to flex with the environment of the moment. It's kind of like what I've explained. If you missed it, I want to say this very quickly. When you're booking a trip somewhere that's going to involve your need of a rental car, know that you've got to make sure that you can find an affordable rental car before you actually end up with the rest of your travel booked in with parts potentially non-refundable. Because a lot of trips are not happening now, because the cost of the car rental is so cost prohibitive. It's not unusual now for a car rental, for a basic car rental to be $2,000 to $4,000 a week for this summer, which destroys the whole vacation budget. Krista?
0: Okay, Clark, speaking of Airbnb, Kathy in Georgia says your recent statements about Airbnb seem misleading. Hotels may not like it, true. However, homeowners associations are having to deal with issues. People who rent short-term in a residential area are often disruptive. Living in a condo, Airbnbs become a problem. Partying, lack of respect for the property, noise, and crime issues. So there are issues that need to be addressed and ordinances that need to be in place to protect homeowners in an area.
1: Kathy, I agree with you completely, and there's going to be a steady tightening of rules on short-term rentals all over the country and even elsewhere outside the United States. And that's why I've said anybody who wants to buy a property with the idea of renting it out for a substantial period of time before maybe it becomes your full-time home or whatever, know that the economics have to work on long-term rentals, not just for short-term stays like an Airbnb or a VRBO, because so many homeowners associations, so many communities are restricting or outlawing short-term rentals that if the economics don't work for a long-term rental property, then it doesn't work for you to buy that property because the issues Kathy raised are leading to these restrictions all over the place.
0: And Kenneth in Texas says, I need a strategy for purchasing funeral air travel. I want to lock in a low rate, but the person in question has not expired yet. This could happen anytime in the next 12 months. Of course, I'll purchase tickets with no change fees, But what are the airline policies on how many times I can push back my travel until the appropriate travel dates actually arrive?
1: Kenneth, I'm sorry you're anticipating the loss of a loved one. Rough time for any of us. So the industry doesn't have customer-friendly policies specifically for this. You just don't buy any travel until it appears that the person's passing is imminent. And the key then is not to have money tied up with any one airline, but to be able to flex with whichever airline is going to be the lowest cost at that time. Uh, The airfare rates have been so variable lately because of the lack of business travelers, and the prices can end up being surprisingly inexpensive close to time of travel, uh, but just shockingly either direction. I want you to wait till the time comes, and then I want you to use google.com slash flights to see what might be available and be flexible about the airports you leave from and the airports you arrive to for this funeral that you're ultimately going to have to attend. Southwest Airlines is not going to be on google.com slash flights, so you need to check them separately as well.
0: And Elaine in Florida says, in 2019, you gave great advice on how to save on airfare to Greece. The virus caused our flight to be canceled, and my husband, against my advice, chose the cash points over a refund. Now we have over $2,300 in Norwegian airfare points that must be used by 2022. We can't take enough trips around Europe to use the money, and they have stopped flying to the U.S. Any ideas on how to make the best use of the money?
1: So it's on Norwegian Air, Norwegian Airlines? Yep. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, because they uh, came very close to ceasing to exist. They went insolvent. They've had a recapitalization. And unfortunately, your husband should have known you were right, Elaine. Don't (laughs) beat him up too much about it. Uh, I don't mean physically, but don't don't pick on him too much about it because— It was a mistake to not get the cash versus uh, credit for moving forward. And this is going to be a brutal problem because unless somebody acquires Norwegian, you're going to have money that most of it you will sadly have to walk away from. Uh, Norwegian is flying a number of flights around Europe. If you get to a Norwegian gateway, You could use as much of the money as possible touring Europe, but otherwise I'm afraid you are going to end up likely walking away from some of this money.
0: And Chris in Michigan says, my flight for a trip in July was just changed by the airline and I will be arriving at my destination two and a half hours later than planned. I have a rental car reservation and I'm hesitant about changing it. I fear they will treat it as a rebooking and charge me a much higher price than my original reservation. My questions are, one, how long do rental car companies wait until they consider someone a no-show? And two, should I just go ahead and change my reservation to the later arrival time?
1: Chris, this one's hard because most car rental companies will protect your rental for two hours after your original likely scheduled arrival time and also a change of your flight time by two hours if you want to change the reservation up front if it's more than two hours, will likely lead to it being considered to be a new booking. You should be able to change your flight arrival by 90 minutes without a change in the reservation or the price you have booked. So go ahead and see if you can do that. That way you would arrive, um, unless you have a long flight delay, within that two-hour window and protect the price. It also doesn't hurt at all, though, to reshop your car rental repeatedly up until the time of your flight. Many rental car rates, and this has been especially a factor with the very high rates we've seen recently, do drop the week of travel as the rental agencies realize demand may be lower than they originally anticipated. So, checking that week of flight may actually Yield you, even if you hadn't had this flight schedule change, may yield you a lower price. But good luck on it. I hope that wasn't too confusing. Change your arrival time by as many minutes as you can with your reservation booking without that leading to you losing your current price. And then know that you arrive within two hours of that revised time. You should have no problem at all getting your car and coming straight ahead. Are you taking all of your vacation this year? I'm gonna give you a key reason to do it if you're not. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive There's a new report from the World Health Organization that says that working extremely long hours is actually killing people. And that's pretty logical to me, that people work themselves to death literally. Um, My father, when he was alive, said, nobody ever died from hard work. That people die from worry. But I respectfully... Disagree with my late dad about this, that all work and no play not only makes you dull, it also will make you unhealthy. And it's summertime now. I make this appeal again every December. Use vacation. Take it. Take it. You know, no dying person ever says they wish they spent more time at their work. And you need to refresh. You need to enjoy. And it is my strong belief, whether you're an entrepreneurial business owner like I am, where when I'm not working, I don't get paid, or you work for somebody else, I believe when you own your business, you run a better business when you've taken some time to refresh And I believe when you work for somebody, you become a better employee for them, a more productive employee, when you do rest. I've long had extreme objection to people who work ridiculous hours. And there are jobs where it's part of the hazing. You know, when you're a new associate at one of the fancy law firms, when you work at one of the accounting firms as billable employee, hours. billable hours, uh, you're in medicine, the reckless behavior of the medical industry, putting people's lives in danger by having new doctors as part of the hazing, work extremely long hours. I mean, we know from every transportation test ever done, a fatigue that people's decision-making power deteriorates from exhaustion and that the medical industry continues this hazing at great cost of lives and health is a national scandal. And for you, speaking of your health, you got your mental health and your physical health when you don't take time for yourself and for those you love. So, summertime, people dial back. I mean, we're not Europe. We're not taking the whole month of August off or anything like that. We don't do that stuff in the United States. We work a lot, a lot of days and hours. But it just gets me at a gut level every year when I hear how much vacation people forfeit at the end of the year do you know how many days of vacation i forfeit in a year <laughs> not zero one. i never forfeit a day off and i work a lot when i'm working but i want you to know that i know i need to refresh and do you know what age i'm going to retire there isn't an age I'm going to retire. I I really enjoy working, but I also make sure I lead a balanced life. You know, I always intended to run for public office. That had always been what I was going to do. And my wife was asking me at dinner the other night, was I still going to do that? I said, no, I don't think so because it's 247, 365. And I realize how important it is to me to be there for you and to be referring to my wife and to be there with my family and my friends. And life just becomes a big blur if you do it. And so that's how I made that decision to have balance in my life. And we all need to have balance in our lives. There are times that maybe. We have a goal so important that we throw everything out of balance, out of kilter in our lives. But there's a cost to that. And I want that joy of being with my kids, my grandkid, my wife, my family, my friends. And I want my vacations. All right,
0: Clark, let's get to some... Question, Stephen in Florida says, I just want to let you know that my credit union recently added an arbitration clause to the customer agreement without notifying me directly. They simply added it in as an addendum to my monthly electronic statement. Opting out is easy. I just had to send an email to their legal department. However, if I hadn't happened to check my electronic statement this month, and I usually don't, I would never have noticed this and I would have missed the opt out deadline of July and 21. Just wanted to let your listeners know they should be watching out for this, even if they're with a credit union that they generally trust. Arbitration agreements are never in our best interest as customers. Shame on them for acting like a big monster mega bank.
1: Yeah, Stephen, I guess they had that virus called bankitis at your credit union. (laughs) Your credit union is a pretty large credit union, and they are unusual. I'm not aware of another credit union in the United States like it, that they are owned by a holding company that in addition to owning credit unions that are owned and operated for their members, they also own banks. So it must be that the bank side has kind of filtered across and you are completely right. Arbitration agreements, I want to repeat your statement. Arbitration agreements are never in our best interest as customers. And you are completely right. And Stephen, I want to congratulate you for actually looking at the mice type in your electronic statement and opting out, which is really easy and quick to do.
0: Carolyn in Georgia says, any advice on selling my home to a company like Open Door?"
1: Carolyn, using an e-buyer is a pretty easy decision in a strong real estate market in that you're able to get a price from them engage the marketplace and whether it's worth it to you to sell to one of the e-buyers which the way it operates is they offer you a set price on your home minus a commission which is larger than a real estate commission you don't have to do any showings you don't have to do any repairs to your home you just agree when you're going to move out they give you a check there is though a big difference and what value each of these e-buyers will provide to you. So one in one particular case may offer a lot more money than another. Another house, they may offer less. That's why you get quotes from multiple e-buyers. There's Open Door, Offer Pad, Zillow Offers, which is fast growing, and a bunch of regional competitors that will offer to just buy your home for a set price you skedaddle, they deal with whatever repairs or improvements they want to do to your house, they get it back on the market, they make their money. The advantage of it is you know your house is sold and you don't have to worry about showings or anything like that. The disadvantage is that you usually will get some amount less money, probably somewhere 5% right around that percent less for your home, than selling it a traditional way. And to many people, accepting a little bit less for the property is something they're comfortable with.
0: And Tyler in Utah says, Clarkster, I hear you talk about time-weighted averaging with investments and contributions to retirement accounts. I get paid in chunks. I'll have nice paydays and then several months that are slow. Would you recommend for someone like me to contribute to my HSA and retirement accounts all at once when I get paid? even if that single contribution is for half of the entire amount of allowed contribution for the year? Or would you recommend that I somehow spread it out over time?
1: Tyler, so the scoop is, from a strictly financial standpoint, when you have the money, throw it into your HSA, glad you have one, because that's the greatest possible tax advantage account there is, and uh, the rest of the money in your retirement accounts. Putting it in in bulk all at once, will make you more money over time, over the long haul. But in the short haul, it means you could be subject to uh, marketplace shocks with stock markets moving in wild values in short periods of time. The purpose of putting it in little chunks month by month is that from a psychological standpoint, it feels a whole lot better not having all your money that you just put in get a big haircut from a decline in the market but if you can handle that and know that over time putting it in in chunks will ultimately make you more money over the decades than just put it in just like you were asking about in a chunk of money all at once as you make your big piles of money and i want to thank you for joining us for more advice contact our team Clark Consumer Action Center it is free at clark.com/cac